0: So there I was in a chapel at Xavier University in Cincinnati, Ohio walking my only daughter Megan down the aisle on her wedding day. As I placed her hand into Brian's it was a little scary to let go and surrender control even though I trusted that Brian would love her and take care of her no matter what would happen in the future. It turned out to be a good decision. They've been married now for over eight years and I've seen God's love and grace in their marriage and they've taken care of each other and have two wonderful children. Letting go and surrendering control by trusting in Jesus' love for us is one of the messages in today's gospel parable. We know what a parable is about by looking at two things. Who Jesus is talking to and how the parable ends. In today's parable, Jesus is not talking to his disciples or the crowds. He's talking directly to the Pharisees. Scriptures tell us that the Pharisees were wealthy, but wealth was not their real problem. The problem for the Pharisees is their hesitation to believe in Jesus, despite all the evidence they had seen and heard. They were convinced that they knew everything because they believed that they were experts in the law. The Pharisees believed that they were right and everybody else was wrong. The second thing to look at is how this parable ends. At the end of this parable, Jesus says, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Pharisees did not listen because they were afraid of more people believing in Jesus, which would lead to the Pharisees losing their power, not being the center of attention, and losing control over the people. The point of this parable is Jesus lamenting to the Pharisees and to us as he is saying, what is it going to take for you to trust me? Surrender to me. Stop being afraid or resisting me. How many of us can honestly say, I surrender everything to God? How many of us have put God at the center of our life and given him control over our time, our wealth, and our energy? How many of us really believe that whatever God wants us to do, will do it? Why do we resist God? I heard a story while I was studying to become a deacon on why we resist God that may help answer this question. There was a small village of about 50 people on the border between Portugal and Spain, and everyone knew everyone else. There was a mayor and a city council. A new family moves in and everyone is talking about them, but not talking to them. One day, a villager is sick, and the wife of this new family is a doctor, and she does a good deed by helping the villager recover. Another villager needs help with his chimney, and the husband of this new family has an engineering background and does a good deed by solving the problem. The villagers are talking very positively about this family, but they're still not talking to them. Finally, the village has a festival, and the new family joins in the fun. During the festival, the villagers finally talk to the new family. They get to know them, they trust them, and they welcome them with open arms. They ask the father, Who are you, and why have you moved to our village? The father, feeling that they can be trusted, tells them that he's the former king of Portugal and is now in exile. He tells them that if they are found, they will be arrested. Two days later, a police car comes and arrests the family. Who turned them in? The mayor did. The mayor did because he was used to being in control, the one in charge, the center of everything, and could not handle not being the center of attention anymore. We are the mayor. We just have something built into us that only wants me to be at the center of my life. We will accept God's mercy, gestures of forgiveness, and we are happy to receive heaven. But we will only accept God on our own terms. God will be first for most things, but not all things. How can we change this? How can we weaken our resistance? It starts by believing that Jesus loves us and that he has died for us. If you were the only person in the world, Jesus would have come and died just for you. That's how much he loves us. We don't need to believe this with our ears and our minds. We need to believe this with our hearts. Our hearts need to start to melt as we are confronted with the truth that the creator of the universe, out of his love for us, did all that he has done for us on the cross and from the cross he says to each one of us that we are worth the trouble. Believing this will help us to start overcome our fears and suspicions of God. Today, I invite all of us after receiving the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist to take some time to look at Jesus on the cross and pray for the grace of God to overwhelm our hearts once again with the basic proclamation of the gospel, the proclamation that Jesus did everything for you and for me, and for the grace to believe in our hearts that Jesus loves us unconditionally, wholeheartedly, and continually. When we believe this, even though it can be a little scary to let go, we can surrender control of our lives to Jesus, knowing that we can always trust in the providence of his love for us.